Uh, quick, say something funny for the intro. This is such a bad one. Hello and welcome. I'm Steve. You're my intro. And I'm Brett. <laughs> and this is Fools with Tools, a podcast for the prototyping. I can't pronounce this word. Par- pan- panarius. Panarius? Panarius. Gentlemen, how are we? How is everyone? Uh, Al, seeing as you've just joined us, what have you been up to? Oh, just joined you. Um... <laughs> Takes a drink of water. Such a dick. Hydration. What did we do this weekend? Oh, yeah. So I um, I visited a good friend of mine uh, in the Midlands to help him build uh, an an external building, an external room <laughs> to the house. Yeah. And we, we were deciding what this room was uh, over the course of the weekend. Cause I don't think Pagoda did it, did it justice really. Um, yeah. We landed on pavilion. Mm. I, I went for bandstand, but I think pavilion was a much more elegant yeah. name for it, but basically an outdoor kitchen, a uh, timber frame, oh, so- uh, beautiful terracotta uh, tile roof. Uh, and it was all just, yeah, putting it up in the, Rain, snow, and sunshine over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, basically three days. Nice. Uh, got it up. Uh, got about 90% of the uh, tiling done before we had to basically darkness stopped play on Sunday <laughs> Sunday evening. Uh, and yeah. then I had to drive back home because I've got work in the morning. Uh, but it was it was an impressive build um, to get all that done in, in, in a few yeah. days. But... I was going to say, because I like, so hang, so that was completely from scratch in those three yep. days. Yep. That's yeah, some good work. Mm. Well done. Uh, anything else? What else do you want me to do? Um, no? that, that, service I, for the I old people yesterday. Over, I didn't want to go straight over to Brett. If you if you had other things you wanted to say, I just thought I'd ask. Singing songs for the elderly. Lovely, uh, Brett. Who have you been singing songs for? Myself, and only myself. Uh, I have found that working on the house leads to me listening to music and singing to myself, nice. <laughs> which is nice. Not upsetting anybody else. Go on, Al. What do you got? No, I forgot. I did do a thing as well. Um, I drove to the um, the body shop and took the sculpture down for painting, uh, yes. um, which was great. I met some really nice guys at this body shop talking about um, doing something different and interesting and nice. totally out of the blue because I brought them something weird. Um, and they were really appreciative. I thought it'd be the opposite. I thought they'd mm. freak out, but they were actually like, "Yeah, this is really cool." Um, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and it's always good to meet new, skilled craftsmen. Yes, mm. it is. I always like that when you bring something to a shop that does something close enough to what you're doing, but they've clearly never done it before, and they're like, "Hey, a change in the in the program. This is nice." Yep. Usually pretty keen on that. Um, since you asked what I've been up to. It's mostly been housework, uh, trying to get the cabin up to snuff, especially as the weather's changing. Here's your weather talk, Al. We are dealing with the winter windiness, and today we're actually experiencing a bit of rain mixed in with that. So because we don't have a lot of um, just general workspace inside, um, it's, it's starting to get into, or it's becoming a motivation for me to really progress on the house because even if I just leave it as an open space on the inside, it's an extra area that I can work within. Right. And now that I have the HVAC going on in there, um, I worked the other day just 
on the bathroom and then cleaning up the main space. And the whole time was nice and cozy. It was nice and warm inside. And um, <clears throat> I kind of forget what time of day it is now because it gets dark at 4.30. And I was there until 8 and walked outside and it was completely pitch black and cold <laughs> as fuck. So uh, I have been doing a couple of other odds and ends as far as uh, getting some stuff sent off for family members for the Christmas times. Always try and throw a few things at the younger folks within my immediate family. So did a little bit of forging uh, to get those ready. And then uh, not too long ago, Rachel Metz uh, delivered a small little hatchet head that she found buried in her property, which happens to be uh, labeled from West Germany, which is fun. Nice. Um, and after posting the little story about it yesterday, I actually had a German fellow who follows me, but has never exchanged any um, any messages with me before. And I was trying to get a sense of when this little hatchet head, you know, it's not like it's uh, a relic by any means, but I love knowing the story behind him. <clears throat> and he confirmed that even though West and East Germany that whole thing kind of started in the late 40s, 49, 50, that <clears throat> the manufacturing companies didn't actually start labeling and separating themselves until closer to about the 70s. So nice little bit of information while I work on this. Um, let's call it a restoration, but really I'm just I'm getting the thing back to working order. Uh, so that's kind of the current project that I'm filming. I, I'm going to put up like a little bit more of an in-depth uh my thoughts and feelings and best practices of rehandling tools. Uh, I know there are plenty of people out there and there are rabbit holes all over the place that you can go down with everyone discussing what's the best or what's wrong, what's right, whatever. But I'm having a little bit of fun with the video because uh, at one point towards the beginning and I'm talking about the handling situations, uh, if anybody remembers watching the Makesgiving that we had a couple of years ago, Ben Woby from Woby Designs brought over a hatchet that he had rehandled, but he used the skateboard, the laminated skateboard material. And we beat the everlasting piss out of that for about a week. And it was fine. It held up totally fine. Even though a lot of people said it wouldn't. And the only reason that it's a little bit cocked up nowadays is because it got left outside in the sand for like two years <laughs> since then. So having a little bit more fun, just kind of it's it's a little bit more informational than what I would typically do, because this is this is kind of my way of explaining to Rachel, who's never done this kind of thing before, but also to the general audience of saying, here's all the crap that I've heard and Steve, you can attest in the smithing community. It's like, you know, the amount of times that I've joked around with uh, Joe just about burning handles or charring handles and <laughs> why yeah. he does or doesn't like that or believes it's wrong. Um, a lot of people over here are keen on like it has to be hickory and it has to the grain orientation has to be bleh. there's best practices and then there's do whatever the fuck you feel like because it's fun. Yeah. Uh, and so that's I mean, what we're trying to work the, on in the video. The only reason that you guys use hickory is because you don't have ash. <laughs> like, <laughs> no one's going to have ash in a couple, in ten more years. But yeah. yeah, I'm using a piece of ash because I love ash. Um, but it's going to be fun, you know. I'm going to put the video out. It's not going to be anything too complicated. I've obviously done it a few times before 
for other tools. But just taking the opportunity to explain a little bit more with the stuff that I've learned over the last few years and being able to do callbacks, which I'm already kind of prepping in my head to the very first hatchet restoration that I did in Jimmy's workshop where I took the old carpenter's hatchet and just did a bad job. Just everything, <laughs> everything in that video. Like I'm, I'm proud of myself for having done it so many years ago, but yeah. good golly, like everything that I did was wrong. And uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll key back in on that and do little like yeah. uh, pop-ins from the old video. But that, that's the thing is I'm sure you'll do another one in another like four or five years time. And you'll look back at the one you're doing at the moment and go, oh God, why did I do it like that? This is wrong. I should have done this instead. Yeah. Well, I learned a lot yeah, having done that one with yeah. you guys last time we were over. That was a huge eye opener is just mm. tool, tool handling in general, regardless of the fact that it was a hatchet. Yeah. It was just, there's so much. Yeah, thought and reason behind why you guys do things the way that you do. So yeah, I mean it's it's funny because you like you said about um, grain orientation. Like it's a it's a conversation that me and uh, Dandles had a little while back about the fact that he loves it when me and Joe go into um, Yandles because everyone else is trying to pick out like the really nice like figured bits of of wood with like really interesting grain patterns, and me and Joe are like, no, we want the the straight. <laughs> grain you can get but like there i think you go. the like it just to quickly say about the um skateboard handle though it makes me laugh that people were saying that that it wouldn't work it's like skateboards are literally made to be abused and bounce around and that like what what do you think is gonna happen it's suddenly gonna it's perfect yeah yeah and when you it's stack the them an, an inch and a half thick too like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a lot of meat to go through yeah i i have to throw this out at you guys because that's that's it for me but Ben brought up a really good, this is uh, Ben Ueda, brought up a really good point not too long ago when we were talking about tool handles, <clears throat> because it's not something he's done a ton of, but he um, he put some handles on like a machete that he ordered from Amazon and did, we were just having some generic talks about tool handling. Um, do you think, or is there a belief that the wood that was available to the area is the one that everybody adheres to. And there are, there, there is a possibility that if you used something that was, let's say from South America and you can source that now, that it could actually be a better performing wood or could possibly serve the purpose better. But a hundred years ago, no one had access to Brazilian rosewood. If you were in the middle of England. Yeah. Um, so like what, what is it really, that we're adhering to is that these top points of, of grain orientation or whatever the nature of the actual wood is. But if you were like, okay, I can get a piece of iron wood. That's actually surprisingly straight grain. Like that stuff's insanely strong, but no one would make a handle out of it typically. Yeah. But it, it, that's, I mean, it's the same as, um, as if you're making a knife, for example, like you can get certain knife steels and you can, you can heat treat them and they can be hard as fuck but they'll be brittle. And that's the problem. That's where something like ash is really good is because it's got really good um, shock absorbency to it. And if you've got really nice straight grain, it means it transfers that energy down through the handle really nicely. And um, rather than um, going down to a certain point where there's a knot or a, a bend or whatever and fracturing at that point, like there's, 
I think there's a lot of reason behind traditions like that. Um, and it, again, it, it's the same as everything. It's one of those, like, if you understand why you use this one or why you use straight grain or whatever, that me that makes it a lot easier to then go, well, actually, I get that that's the thing, but actually this one's only, only ever going to be used for in this particular fashion, therefore yeah, that intent. aspect of it. Yeah. That aspect doesn't matter. Um, just uh, food for thought of, of yeah. like, Oh yeah, maybe I will try something that has a lot of the same properties, but is yeah. typically not used. Cause I, I, I still really want to use some, um, sage orange. Cause I remember mm -hmm. you said about it, uh, years ago, cause I think Tracy said to you about it. Yeah. And, um, and since then I've had quite a few people, um, say how good it is, but, it's not something that I've like, I can easily get hold of here. Um, yeah. I think you and I were looking at it when we were at Yandel's last time. Yeah. We were trying to look for some straight yeah. grain. Yeah. And I, I've got a little chunk of it, but it's, it's not straight grain <laughs> at all. So <laughs> yeah. it's, it's no good for the handle, but, um, but yeah, no, it, it's, it's an interesting Just thing. Something that's been on my mind over yeah. working on this stuff. Uh, but that's it for me, Steve. I want to know what you've been up to. Uh, not, really a huge amount i mean we're like obviously it's the last couple of weeks before uh christmas orders stop so we are crazy busy at the moment um the i've spent uh all today in the office packing and shipping orders um rather than actually making stuff which has been quite nice uh is a bit of a change but at the same time it's kind of one of those like the more orders I'm packing, the more I'm going, oh, shit, I'm going to have to make some more of them when I get back into the office and mm -hmm. uh, back into the workshop and like messaging Joe being like, have we got any handles for this thing? Because we haven't got any left in stock. Um, Do you have any four candles? Yeah. And uh, yeah, so lots of stuff like that. It's been super busy work-wise. Uh, outside of work, um, I've not really had a huge amount of free time. Uh, but... You've had a huge something. Hey! <laughs> Uh, well, I was going to say, th this weekend, I, I, I've kind of blitzed the house a bit um, to get things ready because I've had a, a load of shit that's been piled up that's been doing my head in for the last six months that I finally managed to kind of get rid of, um, deliver it to, like, deliver bits of furniture to people that have been saying for six months that they were going to pick it up and haven't and little things like that, um, which meant that yesterday I could go and get my tree. Mm. And uh, two years ago, I wasn't wasn't allowed to get a big tree uh last year i was in no place to to get a big tree so this year i was like fuck it getting the biggest tree that i can <laughs> um and i mean I, I think you guys have seen the picture on it makes you look so small but the, the thing is is like that tree doesn't like the tree doesn't look anywhere near as big as it actually is in that photo because this tree is thick as well like the, <laughs> the branches are chunky thick uh, yeah <laughs> the um one of the uh, people that was there described it as a juicy tree, which uh, I quite liked. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's currently on the floor, taking up the entire floor space at the moment. Um, and once we got off the podcast, I will be erecting it and uh, and letting it settle for a day or two before I put any oh, lights or anything on it. Fantastic. Um, yeah, it's been it's been good. Uh, I say just really just doing lots of things. Although I have actually also. Uh, carved out a little bit of free time because uh, anyone that, that knows me from my gaming days will know how much I love the Halo series and the latest Halo game came out uh, on the 8th um, and obviously I had to pre-order it uh, 
I was all excited on the day that it was coming out. I was like, yeah, I'm going to get it. And because the the place that I pre-ordered it from, like they included a t-shirt with it. Uh, the packaging that it came in was too big to fit through the letterbox. But the actual, like, so it's a DVD case and a t-shirt. So squished together, like inside of the packaging that they used, it would have fitted through the thing, no problem. But for some reason, there was like half, like a foot of... Uh, bubble wrap on the outside like just flat packed but just this sort of shape it's like why you don't need that much bubble wrap on it it's not even protecting it from like most of the angles yeah. um so yeah that i i ended up getting that uh friday night um and spent a little bit of saturday morning and sunday morning playing that and i've the, so i'm i'm quite an old school gamer in that if i'm playing a computer game i will sit down for no less than like six hours normally like a 12 hour stretch is is perfectly fine mm -hmm. by my standards mm -hmm. um but yeah i've i've kind of been able to like sit down play for a an hour or so well what what is what's going on al just looks really scared there's something so massive in this room <laughs> <laughs> is is it a tree no flying oh uh <laughs> Is it a flying tree squirrel? <laughs> I'm a little concerned. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that's all right. Um, but yeah, uh, it's been really nice like being able to actually just pick it up and just play for 20 minutes whilst I'm waiting for something to cook or something like that. Um, and have the, the self-control to be able to stop and, and go on and do something else. Um, so yeah, that's been, it's been, it's been fun. Uh, oh, the, you've gotten so mature in your age. I know. Yeah. Um, I, I think to be fair, a lot of it is the way that the the kind of game is structured as well. But um, but yeah, so that's basically what I've been doing in my free time, rather than doing what everyone else does and watching maker videos. Because um, I still, Al, I still haven't seen the. That's why I reckon uh, car mods crossover. So there's not even one. There's two. Oh. They both did one on each other's channel. There's Fuck. actually there's actually three because I think they end up making like they do one video where they just make a hot sauce. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. So yeah, that that's on my uh, to watch list for probably tonight. Um, but the one video I did actually watch uh, was Laura's one, the um, making tiny a little table. mini, yeah, tiny oak table uh, out of a single log. Which I love the concept to it anyway, but I I just love the fact that it's like it's such an easy, not an easy, but it's such a good way of practicing um techniques and stuff like that because like, all of us um all want to get better at the things we do and i think like doing something on a small scale like that is a really good way of understanding concepts so like for woodworking especially i think um the the joinery and stuff like that like watching her build that i was like ah oh, i totally understand that technique now i can i could actually apply that to a larger project um and I mean, I, I, I've done it a few times with um, like the little mini knives and stuff like that that I've made, like the mini chef's knife. That was the first knife I ever made. And I'm so glad I did it on that thing because at that scale, any mistake shows up massively. But mm -hmm. at the same time, it's a it's a little bit easy, easier to forgive yourself when it's something so small because it's it's just a it's a bit of fun. It's a throwaway item sort of thing. It's, it's just a bit of practice. Um, mm -hmm. But the techniques that I learned were then easily applicable to when I went up to doing larger things. Um, but I just think it's a really interesting concept of, of 
doing those those little small projects i mean like with the uh al with uh, the car stuff hmm. i know when i was a kid i really really wanted one of the um the like haynes uh see-through build your own engine things that you yes. get it was like a little mini like uh, desktop sized engine and like i've got the the little steam engine uh mm-hmm. ones and things as well and i love that sort of stuff because it gives you that understanding of the basic concepts that allows you to to build on that because it's so hard to go into a, a topic if you have no idea and it can be really daunting if you're trying to go in at a full-scale kind of project mm-hmm. i feel like i've seen more of this recently maybe uh, just because I was working on the book project, I was more aware of it. Um, Michael Alm was doing that table that the, you know, it worked as a coffee table, but then mm. it, it could raise up. So he he made a mini version of that. And then uh, Jimmy did that, another one of his whirly gig things with uh, Derek, with the, the blacksmiths. Yeah. Um, Obviously, that's something that I was exposed to. Like Jim used to do that all the time because that was his background in the toy making, right? You needed to figure out how these parts worked or the sizes or pivot points, whatever it was. So when I was working with him, I used to see him do, you know, these prototypes all the time. And it was it was silly. Like the first couple of times I saw it, I remember going, what, what, you have a hot glue gun and some popsicle sticks? Like, what are you going to do? This isn't going to prove anything to you. You know, it's not going to show you how steel's going to work. It's going to be completely different. But of course, me being naive at the time, I didn't realize that it's it's more a uh, figuring out how the parts move and yeah. how they exist in space, right? That whole building in space thing works better if you can do it small scale. Don't waste the materials. Um, and it's it's fast enough that you can put it together and you're really going to save yourself time down the line working out yeah. those uh, those mechanisms or whatever they are. So even working on the book for John, like I knew I needed to make, I if I wanted to achieve that goal of having that mechanism, I wasn't going to start with steel because I probably would have had to backstep a ton of times, right? Even though I can... Yeah weld and cut and re-weld and cut and whatever I need to fix. It was just easier to be able to do those mock-ups. Now, I don't think I would have had that same approach had I not seen Jimmy do it so many times and and like learn from that process. But it makes so much more sense going forward on, uh, for me, for, for moving parts projects, things that have hinges and clasps and uh, pivot points and things like that. If I can do a small scale version of it, I'm going to save myself a ton of time in the actual production of it. I know that I want to do some hinges and, um, fixtures for the house. And then I have a gate idea and I, I, you know, Steve, ever since you talked about the tattered sails and like decorating the entire space is just this refuse (laughs) shipwreck, whatever it is like more of that starts to make sense to me, but I know that I need to concept it smaller scale, right? I'd love to have a flagpole that telescopes out. Yeah. Well, I've never done anything like that before. And the only thing that I can think of that does that is the old lightsabers that used to, you know, like telescope. Uh, Okay. So how do you make one of those? How do you do a turning (laughs) mechanism that pulls that up? You know, the old, uh, being able to raise a flag on a pulley is one thing, but what if you can get the entire pole to do that as well? Yeah. 
things like that. I know that I'm not going to buy a 12 foot long piece of steel and then just figure it out on the way. It's going to end up yeah. killing me in the process. So the importance of prototyping or concepting with these cheaper materials, it's not only uh, the affordability of popsicle sticks, but I think it's just <laughs> the amount of time saved working it out at that scale is yeah. exponential the more I mean, complicated it gets. Yeah, because I think like it's it's a really good thing to uh, to be able to to run ideas through, even if it is just in cardboard, because you know wood's wood's really expensive. It's not like it grows on trees. I hate you. I mean, no, that would be you, you don't get that. <laughs> that would be funny if it wasn't really fucking expensive. Ask me how I know because I've just spent the weekend <laughs> buying wood and uh, yeah. it was offensively expensive. Like it, the the roofing battens. I would say oh, yeah. about at least five times the cost of the last time I bought them. Yeah. Just for like the, the cheapest, dirtiest one by twos. Yeah. Um I mean we 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 were we were literally doing this at the weekend because there was parts of like I don't know what it is about roofs. They're like my building kryptonite, especially like the eaves and trying to work out like compound mm -hmm. angles and stuff. I can't I, I can't visualize it, I can't draw it, I can't see it in a picture. I just have to do it. Yeah. You know, offer up the wood and go, oh, it's hitting it at that angle. I need to cut this here. I need to notch out here. Um, and we would we would build in Lego models, literally, of this this building to work out how things moved up and down, how we scale things, how to get the angles right. Mm -hmm. um, and I think just just what you were saying then, Brett, about sort of um, learning from Jimmy and building like little prototypes and models of stuff. I think there's something else he does which is interesting, which is not not necessarily a scale model of something, more of like a crop. So just build one part of something. Mm -hmm. just to work oh, out how yeah, to yeah. do it you know what i mean yeah. so almost like a like steve you're talking about the cross section of like the engine or something like that yeah. just just build that one but just build the hinge on the cabinet yeah just to see how it works and then you've got that as a point of reference and you're not yeah. having to build the whole thing it's something you can move around you know use as a jig um so it's it's again it's i guess it's saving materials and and not being wasteful but it doesn't necessarily scale doesn't have to be literal it could just be yeah. one piece of it as opposed to miniature mm -hmm. yeah that is, uh, I'll bring up the book project again, but because that wasn't necessarily an attempt at scale, I just needed to see how the parts moved. And then uh, the only parts that really didn't translate to the steel that I got a little messed up with <clears throat> were just, you know, I used a popsicle stick in its raw form, effectively, which is that, you know, that elongated shape. With a lolly on edges. it. There you go. <laughs> um, and then when I transferred it over to steel, I realized that like, oh, I, I could actually make it a lot smaller in this direction, or I could cut yeah. out this dimension because I don't need any of this middle bit, you know? Um, I I think it's something that I need to work on uh, as I continue prototyping in the future or doing these more complex, uh, let's say, mechanisms specifically, where I think there's a talent in being able to, uh, to see, I don't know, the, the popsicle stick right, as whatever the final piece is, and make sure that if you are working on scale, or, I don't know, just the problem solving aspects of it, that you don't get too reliant on the fact that you're just using regulated shapes, right? If you just brought bought two by fours, and we're working out a mechanism just using two by fours, if the plan is to transfer that down to like, eighth inch round bar, I don't think you're going to get the same kind of problem solving out of it, right? Because the dimensions are so different from a two by four piece of wood 
to yeah. a small piece of round steel. Um, I think that's where I, I had a couple failure points was not translating whatever my final thought was or not having enough of a sense of what the final piece was going to be to yeah. make the mock-up correctly. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah. I, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, because when I did the, uh, I can't remember if, if you guys, if, if I can't remember if I was even doing the podcast at the time, um, I made the, oh, yes, I, I did. Uh, the giant spinning wheel of death. Thing. Yes, yes. The um, one that you made at my house. Yeah, yeah that, that, that one. one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like doing sections of that, like it was an absolute fucking nightmare because I was trying to build the entire thing without, like th th this is, I was completely without a plan, didn't mock anything up and was just going for it. And it wasn't until it was halfway through and I actually had built part of the structure and was like, oh shit, this would be so much easier if I moved this around and did this like this instead. And then I could put these bearings here and then that would even the load out. And had I mocked up a smaller version of it using not necessarily the same materials, but using a, a decent substitute, then a lot of that stuff I would have realized beforehand. And I think even if it had been in fucking uh, popsicle sticks and fucking pipe cleaners sort of thing, like just getting a, a decent idea of that like 3d model of it rather than just a quick sketch or something like that mm -hmm. it would have allowed me to see those kind of failure points and and, and issues before building it full scale mm -hmm. i mean there's a there's a third party as well here you know what is this a wheel of death for ants <laughs> like if you've got to be able to sell this idea in to someone yeah that's particularly a client a paying client um that that holding device almost becomes quite a difficult thing to do because um, we do it at work all the time, you know, like th this isn't the final illustration. Yeah. Just imagine that's the real thing. We haven't done it yet because yeah. you haven't paid us yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you and you haven't, you haven't decided you want it yet, but yeah, imagine it's really hard to do. And then imagine that with a, like a physical object, right? Mm -hmm. like, yeah. This is it in popsicle sticks. Cause I've got an imagination and I know how things work. Yeah. But you're trying to explain to someone, no, this will be brass. Yeah, and it'll be polished. Yeah. It'll be 3D, yeah. you know, and that won't be flat bits of wood. It'll be round bar and rod. Like you can mechanically get your head around it, but having to say to go to a client and get them to sort of have faith in you. Mm. So it's almost like there's there's a sliding scale of of how far you have to take this this mock up or this this prototype, I guess. Yeah. Ooh, I I really like that though when you're discussing specifically showing something to a client because mm. this is the same reason I think it's important to be able to sketch out your ideas. They don't have to be great, but you have to be able to translate them not only to uh, your own mind because you're like, oh, no, 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 I'm mechanically minded. I know how to work these things out. But what if you have to go send off for parts or, or you need something fabricated elsewhere? Just being able to speak that language, um, which we, we talked about on the mother tongue episode, like I need to know that I can send a prototype off or a sketch off and have somebody look at it. And even if I'm just doing a brainstorm session, like, hey, do you think this would work? Does this look okay? I, I need to be able to translate that and not go, well, no, 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 no. You, you don't understand that I'll make it out of brass and it'll be mm -hmm. round because what you're looking at is square and made out of uh, garbage that I found on the yard. You know, I think it's a let's call it a talent, but I feel like it's something you can absolutely work on is, is yeah. figure out how to do your translation process, right? Learn how to speak that language. And as as per uh, the last episode, it's like, how do you set the table for that discussion? Mm. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, important. 
because I, I really like um, the fact that you kind of separated out the idea of um, the the mechanical aspect and the, the design aspect as well. Mm. Um, because for me, I I was very much thinking down the, uh, like figuring out the mechanics of the thing, like how does this work? Does this work properly? Is this going to snag on there? Does this work in disorientation and, and all of that? Um, but also the, um, like I said earlier, the kind of the technique aspect as well, like learning those different bits of joinery and going, well, I've never actually done a dovetail joint, so I'm going to try a really small version just so I can see how this actually fits together and what what the kind of pitfalls are going to be. Um, and so I think like for for this sort of conversation, I think there are, there are kind of like two camps in that it's the the... I don't want to say like practice one, <laughs> but but basically, yeah, like that, the, the the kind of practice project and the prototype project. So, you know, the, the practice project is um, you just want to see if it, see if it actually works, see if the, the idea makes sense, mm. uh, test out the techniques that you want to use to build it and, you know, say, right, if I do a, a dovetail joint here, is this going to work or do I need to go for a mortise and tenon or whatever? Um, but then, like you say, and it doesn't matter if it's rough as fuck and looks nasty and is the wrong material and, you know, you've made half of it out of plasticine and half of it out of spoons. Um, and then there is the the kind of the miniature version, the 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 client model, as it were. This is, this is the design. This is how it's going to look. This is, and, you know, that doesn't even need to be a physical thing. That could literally be a, a 3D rendering of it mm -hmm. to show um show the different materials and, and stuff like that when yeah when i took this um this sculpture down on friday to these guys obviously they they, they repair vehicle panels you know flat yeah. doors flat bonnets the guy just dished out um um something for an old austin and it was like nice. the most exotic thing he'd ever done because it was like kind yeah. of like a bowl and he was like this is <laughs> i've never you know i've never done anything like this before um so for this to bring this down it would have just blown their mind. So I sent them sketches and I, I even yeah. did like a, an animated GIF yeah. and a 3D model and photographs from all angles just to get in their heads before I took it down. So that there was almost like a buffer and it wasn't a shock mm. to the system. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the, I'm loving the, the popsicle stick kind of analogy because... I mean, Brett, you've seen me build a shelf. Like, mm -hmm. I would, I would leave it there. I would embrace that. <laughs> you know, the 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 mechanical bit for me is the bit that interests me and gets me excited. Mm -hmm. You know, to then undo that, replace it, and do it properly, for want of a better term, you know, that for me is a step too far. So, I, yeah. I more often than not would actually go. This is my proof of concept. That was the bit I was interested in. Yeah. <laughs> well, I the feel concept like works. yeah. <laughs> I I mean this in the most. Uh, positive way that i can but i feel like hb ended up being a little bit of that right you could absolutely 100%. see every moving part yeah, yeah. and how it was fabricated and put together it functions pretty much exactly like it needed to and you could have gone back and like i don't know you weren't welding a ton at that point or i don't even know if you had the box available to you but you could have gone back and been like all right now now i'm gonna do rigid parts everything's gonna be made out of steel or mechanical connections or anything like that you didn't and it works better with the aesthetic because it still just looks like a workbench made out of two by fours <laughs> and you get this little hidden aspect. I, I think the, uh, the point that you're making 
is is often overlooked, right? Everybody thinks that you have to go from like dirty, rotten materials and then whatever your finished pieces has to be glorious and beautiful and you can spend a lot of time uh, working out the finesse at the end. But how often are we looked at with uh, Tom Sachs, right? I know Laura is always showing off Tom Sachs stuff and I know some of our other German friends, Kiel and, and Caro, like everyone's either been to the events or the museums or whatever and you see all the prototypes. They're dirty and there's tape yeah. all over them and there's little marks and and dashes of notes all over everything. I think they're beautiful mm. and can be respected as the finished piece. I, th I think when it comes to the mechanical nature, if there are moving parts, yeah, if you've got something that's got a bearing and you need to grease it up, maybe it's not made out of like a section of dowel that will, you know, not be rigid or a pine, pine wooden dowel used as a bushing or a bearing will eventually wear out. It'll wear out faster, right? So maybe maybe you take it a step further and replace a few things with some stronger materials if you need them. But I, I love, I obviously love your aesthetic a lot of times, Al, where it's just like, nope, that's as far as it needed to go. It looks brilliant. I feel like that's hard to get people to just stop and accept that there is there is a possibility of a stopping point before you take it so far to the end where it's like, yes, now it's beautiful. Is this finished piece? It's one of a kind. It's beautiful. But like, I is wonder it, what this would have looked like if it was made out of scraps. Maybe so it looked I, even so better. Me visualizing this in my head now, it's, um, it's the evolution of the Honda robot. So yeah. you know the one that now is it fucking yeah. um, doing parkour and doing backflips off of, you know, and eventually will be our demise. Um, there's a beautiful timeline of that robot from like the the original prototype it was just a pair of legs <laughs> it was like you don't need an upper body like yeah. I, I, it wasn't trying to be a human um and you could just see the progression of what things were needed where and the balance of weight and stuff up until a certain point sort of mid 2000s late 2010 yeah they've just started trying to make a human yeah it's like well that was not the intent the intent was to make a robot and you can see the cutoff point where they've kind of lost sight of what they were trying to do. And I like the the naivety at the beginning because the bits were where they needed to be for a reason. Yeah. And the proportions and the the sort of the structure was the way it needed to be for a reason, not to try and mimic something yeah. that already exists. Yeah. I mean, because because you've got like the speaking of of robots, you've got obviously the the cyber dog thing from um, MIT. Post Boston, uh, yeah, yeah, Boston, Boston, Boston yeah. Dynamics, um, and th those things are, are in production now. Mm. They're being used. There's uh, there was a Tom Scott video uh, about power stations the other day, um, and basically, they like rather than ha someone having to drive around to all these different hydroelectric power stations, they've just got a couple of the dogs there, and they can just walk around and do visual inspections using these dogs because they can they can go up and downstairs and things like that. And I'm fairly certain that you know everyone originally envisaged the idea of, of them being a humanoid robot and mm. maybe when they decided to go for the dog kind of structure they were like oh well we can give it a head and then a tail and this could do that and we can make it look like a dog but actually it was like well no we we don't need to do that like we can condense the body down we can do this and then we can use the bits from the animal kingdom that work like the structure of the legs and the way that things are hinged together and the fact that it's four legs yeah. but we can 
we can adapt that to, to the actual purposes. So like, you know, the, they did those test ones and then they went, well, actually we don't, we don't need to put a head on it there. That's yeah. just going to, that's what I like instead of going the, the Honda way. Yeah. Otherwise you'd have, you'd start with a Sony Ibo and you'd yeah. be trying to make a little cute little pet dog. It's like, yeah. no, actually we'd, 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 like you say, we're keeping the best bits. Exactly. But the, the kind of, I, I just wanted to say that the, the other thing that I was uh, interested in is the fact that you were talking about, um, and Brett, you kind of started this one is the, the idea that you know how far do you need to go and mm. i i i can remember vividly talking about it on the podcast before but it's the the concept of um mvp minimum minimum viable product um which is something we used to do in it all the time um it's like right what is the absolute basic we need to do to achieve this task um and that's not necessarily a a mini version of it but you know if you're prototyping stuff out if you're figuring stuff out it's like right what is what's the, the least amount of work we need to do to get this to do the function, you know, and you know, that can be, what's the least amount of work we need to do to make this thing a table. It's like, right, yeah. well, you know, you, you get three flat bits of wood and you screw the ends on. And so you've got that sort of shape and that's a, that's a table. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of an interesting is you can iterate on that as well. And if you're doing that in a prototyping stage, then yeah, doing it, whether that's on a, a really small scale and you're doing it out of cocktail uh, not cocktail sticks uh lollipop mm-hmm. sticks or whether you're doing it out of sorry popsicle sticks uh or whether you're, you're 3d printing it but it's only that big sort of thing or whether you're you know making out of weld wire or whatever you're doing like i think the idea of starting with the absolute basic for what you need. And it's, again, it depends on what the task is. If you're making a product, then you know, it's a different thing to if you're just going, right, I want to practice this type of joinery. You know, if you just want to practice that type of joinery, then you just get two bits of wood and you stick them together in whatever fashion it is that you want to stick them together in. I'm having flashes of <clears throat> found object art or sculpture where... Uh, it's popped up on my feed a bunch recently with Instagram, but you know, the kind of people that will go and weld together a few sprockets and gears. Mm. And then suddenly it looks like a bee or some type of insect, right? This, this idea that they're not necessarily concepting a final product that will be a metal sculpture of whatever the thing that they're trying to create. It's literally parts to create the form to whatever the end thing is. I feel like uh, prop making um, very often has to do this, right? It's like, we need the facade to look like this. Whatever the inner mm. structure is, it, it doesn't really matter. It just needs to serve the purpose, right? Minimum viable product, minimum viable product, like Steve said. So uh, I got a couple of messages after the book where people are like, oh, that would make a really cool like master prop for mm a video short or if you were going to have it just in the background on a table because it functions it does what it needs to do but there's a little bit of give and take right it's not exactly as functional as i'd like it to be some of the dimensions are a little bit wrong as far as just being comfortable um and just some like higher end finishing that i would have liked to have done to it but as far as me coming up with a concept and executing something that plays its role John has confirmed that he's happy with it, you know, and he he likes the thing that I made. That's great. But if I was to say, "Mm, I'm going to try and make 20 of these. 
the amount of stuff I would have to fix and change and probably retract or not retract, but like uh, recede back to prototyping phase. Like I got to yeah. figure a bunch more stuff out before doing that again. Um, I, I can't tell if that's something that I would even want to do or, or if it's just more important for me to be able to knock out those concepts that I know work that MVP. I know this works, but it's still not really what I wanted at the mm. very end. It's not quite as clean. It's not, it doesn't work quite as well as I'd like it to. How do you stop yourself from, or how do you, how do you take the MVP as being the end goal and accepting that that's actually as far as it needed to go? Like full stop. I do not need to do more with that. Yeah. I mean, I know how you want to go as well. So I, I'll just say like, I think it, it it entirely depends on what the the intent or the purpose is like if it's if it's i was gonna say just but if it's if it is just a one-off and it's not something that you um ever plan on producing as a product then you don't have to if it's something that actually you know you want to produce as a product but you only want to do a limited run of say 12 and then that's that's it then you know you put x amount of work into that and you know you don't mind having to tweak each one individually a little bit or whatever if it's something that you intend on mass producing as in say more than 20 of them then yeah you spend a bit more time you you figure out those those little niggles and you you know you you go back and and you prototype it and prototype it until you've got it absolutely down and then you you know you get the the parts laser cut or or whatever um so yeah i think it uh, that kind of that cutoff point um is it's kind of it, it's wherever you want it to be but at the same time like realistically it's always going to be a case of uh scale of how much you're going to scale it that i think that that cutoff point is is a really interesting one because we have a bit of a challenge at work where the mvp for some clients and for some applications is the whole thing yeah <laughs> and they, they they cannot see it they will not agree to it and they will yeah. not approve it pay for it sign it off until it's finished yeah it's almost like well it's too late then we've already done it it's, yeah. it's but it's about but i can't i don't know what it is until you do it yeah and we're almost stuck in this catch-22 where it's like we can't make the decision until it's approved and they can't approve it until we've done it and made the decision um, and that is really time consuming and really inefficient yeah. Because what you're doing there is you're taking a risk and going, well, I hope this is the right. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> we're going to invest and we're going to do it. Um, luckily, you know, you, you you train yourself and you have the the foresight to hopefully see all these things through. Yeah. And go actually, well, or maybe we've done a backup just in case. Yeah. Or there's economies of scale and we knocked a few out just in case. But it, it does happen where you go, actually, can't see it. You need to do the whole thing. Minimum value product is actually the whole thing. Yeah. No, that, that's that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fuck. Start again. Um, and I just, I think, just go. I think Brett, you were talking about um, sketching things. Mm. You know, mm. um, and and Steve, I guess the initial thing came from Laura, and I love Laura's sketches of her uh, yeah. projects. Yeah, uh, especially when it's like at the start. So if she's showing you before she's built it, here's what it yeah. is. And I despise um, reality TV shows, but the one thing I do like about them is that kind of on the bake-off where they'll they'll show a little sketch of what the yeah. cake is see I, I was thinking of the uh the sketches they used to do on scrap challenge yeah scrap challenge they were doing them on um 
Britain's Best Woodworker with Joe. Yes. Uh, and now the, the cynic in me will say that they're done retroactively <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> once the project is finished for the purposes yeah. of television. Um, but what it does, it, it helps, especially sort of not people who are maybe not as um, fluent in the language of design, woodworking, mm. baking, yeah. understand what they're doing. Like if you just started doing like cooking something, you had no idea and someone was watching it on TV, they'd, they'd just get bored and turn off. Yeah. But if you've shown them that cake, they'd be like, oh, Oh, they're making the little doors. Yeah. I get, you know, that, oh, those little meringues must be for the top because I've already seen it, even yeah. though it's crude. So I think there's huge merit in that, getting that level of sketch just right. It, yeah, because that's, sorry, I, I've just realized uh, that that's kind of like when when you put out a new uh, comic book film or comic book series or whatever, it's it's putting those little things in that fans of the, of the comic are going to, get and they're going to be excited about it it's like oh like with the the hawkeye thing uh that's just come out it's like oh it's pizza dog like <laughs> it gets you excited and it keeps you engaged and it keeps you wanting to yeah. to see more and um, yeah so so maybe maybe that's what sketches are they're just like enabling fan service by producing <laughs> the thing enabling uh, fans <laughs> well fader and his knives you know I, yeah I, oh. I almost like his his knife stories and visuals more, more yeah. than the knife yeah yeah, hundred percent. But um, yeah, I see. I I think for me, like obviously, I I love doing the little um, the little knives and the little tools and the little projects. Anyway, like I just find that kind of um, making a really interesting thing. Um, mm -hmm. So like for me, I I like doing tiny versions of stuff just because I like doing tiny versions of stuff. But I do think as well, it's a really fucking good way of of doing all of the things that we've talked about. Um, and like the, the last thing that I was going to, I know how you've just said, do you want to say something? But like one of the last things I was going to ask you guys is like, if, if you could only have like a handful of, or not if you could only have, but like what, what would be your like, I always want to make sure I've got lollipop sticks or I've always got string or a, hot glue gun or whatever like what are the, what are the kind of essentials for for prototyping in that kind of that way what what are the sort of things you'd you'd choose to have or you'd recommend someone to have just just a little one break because i know you're good at these answers um at the risk of being a massive pedant i, I know we kind of self-corrected ourselves on lollipop sticks from brett's pop popsicle sticks right but lollipop sticks are not lollipop sticks at all are they lollipops are those little things that yeah he does give you, or you get at the dentist. We mean ice lolly sticks. Ice yeah. lollies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why do we call them lollipop sticks then? Because <sighs> I don't know. I've never thought about it until now. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Perfect. Uh, um, I'll, yeah. I'll throw out a couple of things that I would love to have. So the popsicle sticks, I, I think that, and um, they're called Brad's, I think, where they're actually, I think they're called Brad's. I don't know. It's when you punch a hole and you have a hole and then it's it's like a a rivet on the top, but it's got two little legs that you split. Oh, out. split pin. Split pin. Split pin. Got yes. it. Yeah. Okay. We always Brad, just call them Brad. Brad's the thing from nail guns. Brad nails, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we used to I remember being in elementary <laughs> school and we called them Brad's. So That's so weird. If you had if you had popsicle sticks something to drill a hole and brads you can get away with a lot of mechanisms and pivot points and things like that yeah. um 
I think the idea of having whatever the regulated material is, i.e. the popsicle sticks, mm. that's why we always had loads of them, right? They're they're all the exact same. So you know yeah. the dimensionality translates over pretty well. But I think I'd like something a little bit beefier and not so wide. So I'd go with like a quarter inch by quarter inch piece of not balsa wood, something that has some <laughs> some heft to it. But if I just had a bucket of lengths, this is my drawer full of wires. Like I would love <laughs> to have that yeah. in wood form where it's just pieces that I can use uh, that are regulated sizes or whatever. So if you are a woodworker and have tons of scraps, maybe you spend a day just making a bunch of Yes. Is that what that, you That's exactly what I was about to be. Like, <laughs> okay. It's a fucking great way of using up scrap. Yeah. Yeah, but you just you create a bucket for concept, yeah. right? It's your own yeah. it's your own popsicle sticks quote. Um I think beyond that, if I wanted to have one let's say two little power tools, I think any um any kind of rotary tool, I we have the Ryobi ones obviously, but they have a bunch of different heads, you know, yeah. for cutting and uh, grinding and shaping and all that kind of stuff. Just one decent rotary tool, Dremel or otherwise. One of those will get you through a lot of work when you're working on small scale. And then this is a the little curveball. If you want to go on Google or Amazon specifically, they make just the tiniest little table saw that's <laughs> made for like craft cutting, right? Yeah, yeah. For yeah. for when you're using decent wood or little like sheet craft material yeah and it's it's like a three inch wheel or something like that you know a three inch saw blade and it just and the table's really small it's it's hilarious i've only used it like two or three times mike got one years ago yeah. for some project and i've used it a couple of times and it just spins so goddamn fast and you can put all this little material through it you get these perfect little cuts and you don't have to be concerned about cutting everything out with like a jeweler saw or a pole yeah. saw or anything like that. That's just got more kinetic movement to it. It's just a yeah. one little pop it out. So that's it. Rotary tool, you, yeah. you know, your bucket of concept um, accessories. And then that little table saw. I just yeah. love that little thing. And I know they're super affordable because it's just, it's basically yeah. just a motor with a top on it. As I say, I'm sure I've seen somewhere and I, I don't know if it was a homemade version or if someone actually, like, if it was an actual product. But I'm sure there was a Dremel version of that where you basically yeah, there just is. plug, no, the, plug I your Dremel I, in. And... I think you can actually get an official Dremel table saw for That's the Dremel. Awesome. <laughs> no, but think about it. Think yeah. of, like, the curve of a blade or how many yeah. teeth per inch. It's like, it, it yeah. makes total sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, yeah, I, I love, Brett, the, the the bucket of scraps, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the offcuts and, and the... The weird shaped offcuts as well. So mm. when we were um, this weekend, I've never built so many jigs in my life. Honestly, there was a jig for everything. There was a jig for tiles. There was a jig for birds' mouths. There was a jig for rafters. Everything it was yeah. great. And to your point, Steve, it was like if you're doing more than twenty. Yeah, I mean, it fuck. It was if you're doing more than one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> build a jig for it because then it won't be yeah. the same. Um, but all the all these jigs and angles and stuff meant that we had loads of um, angled offcuts. Oh yeah, and there was just a bin full of like little triangular bits of wood and mm. thin bits and square bits and stuff, and it was just like, dude, you can't throw this away. This is like perfect for every time you need to pick something up. And then yeah. there was even points where we were using the offcuts as jigs because they had the same angles. Yeah, 
So it was like, well, I just take this tiny little bit of wood, take it up there, and it's the exact height we needed. Mm-hmm. And it was just like it was invaluable. Um, and that is essentially where I would get all this in the shack. It's the same mm. little yeah. little box of scrap aluminium cut off of the arm suit of armor. That's perfect for little curved bits or little pointy bits or bits that need to get in through little holes and you can't, you mm-hmm. know, otherwise you, but your brain can't look at a big uncut sheet and go, there's a jig there. Yeah. Or there's something useful there. Cause it's too big. I mean, I wish I had a bunch of stuff that I could knock down at the fucking paint stirrers. Cause I never have a paint. <laughs> stir- <laughs> and just, Should we just stir- go and get some stick. Oh, I do. That's what I yeah. doing. I'm going to go, go into the garden and just use my stick. <laughs> Dude, painsters, painsters, and the yardsticks that they sell at the big box stores out here—they're mm. always an eighth of an inch thick on the right. yardsticks, and yeah. they are almost always dead straight because they—they kind of need them to be. Yeah, but yeah they're just yeah. thrown in a bucket in the front of the store. There's a hundred of them. Nice. Ben uses them all the time. He'll cut, <laughs> he'll cut them into little like squares and things like that, and use them as spacers. Perfect. Any anything like that where yeah. you just—it's pre-bought material, but it's very regulated on sizing. So. Mm. Nice. to work with um can we can we f- can we flip the conversation and talk about making little things afterwards yeah so instead of making the if you could explain first, that i bet we could so instead can of making just, a little prototype be, first and say if, before we go do, on then I, I just well i just wanted to say my things that was a yeah, little shock yeah whatever skip me oh, i was just gonna let's talk about me i was just gonna say needle files in a Jeweler's vice because they're useful for small this things. Needle files are really useful. <laughs> See, it's fucking worth it, wasn't it? Dick. But yeah, the little jeweler's vices that you can get as well that like they basically look like handheld blacksmith vices. Mm-hmm. They're really, really good for if you're doing small, intricate stuff because it means you can clamp stuff up and still hold it and move it around and do things with it. I was, um, I was literally yeah. using it like that for the um, so the sculpture I took down, I, made, I had to make a jig to hang it so they could paint it. And I was literally using a vice exactly like that, Steve. So I was using a yeah. vice basically as a wrench. Because <laughs> I could clamp it down really tight, but still turn it with my hands. So I just had this like vice. <laughs> it was genius. Brilliant. Um, but yeah, so you were saying about the thing, flipping the conversation, Al. Yes. So <laughs> I love the fact that you were looking at me like, oh, well, no, what you're, you're talking you're about. You're distracted and it's very distracting like someone's coming through the fucking room again like they always do um <laughs> yes so we're talking about prototypes making small things getting the idea across first but what about when you've made something and then you want to make a little version of it afterwards because i think that's wonderful mm. so it's almost like building a, a tiny version of something for alex because he's made the big version and he, it was really cute as a present yeah um and i really want to make a tiny version of yeah, the Vitara when it's finished. Mm. So I bought a little toy Vitara that I can then, yeah. you know, basically well, and, kit bash. And, and, and Brett did it with the uh, cat's claw. Yes, the tiny the cat's, cat's claw. claw axe. Yeah. Um. So the, there's because that for me is almost it's the opposite. It's it's you're not um it's not minimal minimal viable product. It's almost concentrated glory. It's like a, a <laughs> it, you know it, it's 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 magnifying all the all your favorite bits about it that's got to be the episode title concentrated glory um but do you know what i mean it's like it's yeah. like it's the essence of it captured in a, in a tiny version um and i know um 
other makers, you know, love this kind of translation yeah. of things. I know Jackman went one way with Jackman-sized things. Yeah. But, you know, I think Wesley was on about, I want to make a tiny version of the, the Furter Burner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like a keyring version, so we carry around. Um, and there's something lovely about doing that way as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because we, we did the the giant, um, I say giant, we did the sledgehammer-sized version of one of Cliff's hammers for Al for Christmas present last year, I think it was. Right. So it's basically mm-hmm. just a, a really big Swedish uh, pattern um, hammer based off of Cliff's design. Um, and that was really fun. But yeah, I think a couple of years before that, I did the little tiny chef's knife. And <laughs> I always like doing, like, when we do the... Um, the the random courses that we do like when we went to um hunter gatherer uh hunter gather cook uh i made a little tiny blacksmith knife i quite quite often do them when we're at festivals and things like that and i quite often uh just make tiny versions of whatever the, the guys are making because for me it's a really handy thing to do because it's relatively quick like it takes a bit less time, but to get it right, it actually takes about the same amount of time. Um, but it means I can like quickly uh, like draw out a, a taper or whatever, and then I can go up to the kids that are at the front that, that want to see more of it. I can quickly quench it off and go up and be like, right, this is what they're doing. This is, and you know, they can touch it and hold it and interact with it without it being this big hunk of steel that they're still trying to work on, sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I I fucking I love doing them like they're so much fun like i genuinely i would spend all of my time making little tiny tools and things if i could because they're so much fun i think there's 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 like a it's not like immortality but you're you're almost like capturing it as well yeah and and i think there's there's been a a bit of a trend of people doing that with like real world items in video games and stuff which i love as well seeing them actually this physical thing then being manifested It's, it's almost the opposite of what we all bang on about and crave and love but actually immortalizing something in not the form it was intended to be. Yeah. I really like. So even like um artwork of uh physical objects. So like somebody um painting like a, a bottle of Worcester sauce or something. <laughs> you know, it's 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 so bizarre and the opposite. And like yeah. the whole point of that is it's food and it's tasty, it's delicious. That's you're missing the point. But I love this kind of um rendering it a different way afterwards. I don't know, it's like a, an anti-prototype, I guess. Yeah. Whatever, yeah, I, whatever the third um form of matter is for, <laughs> for a prototype yeah <laughs> I, I yeah because i suppose it's, it's it's almost like the uh I, I like the way you said uh like kind of paying homage to it like mm. it's it's just a really nice thing to be like oh yeah this so i i got distracted then because i looked over and realized that can you remember the giant ice pick that i made yep it's just there and i'd completely <laughs> forgotten i even had it um but yeah like it, it is it's just a way of being like that thing is is perfect and the only way that i can well i can't i can't improve it so the only thing that i can do that's not just straight up copying it <laughs> is to make a scaled up or a scaled down <laughs> version that's it like that's that's the only or 2d I've got. or 3d yeah exactly <laughs> um but yeah was there was there more of a question there i didn't know if brett wanted to wade in on that at all i like making small things <laughs> <laughs> and that is spiffing. Al, have you got an order? It's abs. Abs, Ooh. which means Al, you are first. 
so in a rare turn of events, oh my. this 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 spiffing is actually going to be relevant. Um, so when I went down to see the uh, the body shop guys, um, I hadn't even mentioned any of the maker community or YouTube or anything like that. Hmm. And just out of the blue, uh, the guy he was like late fifties, sixties. The owner of this body shop was just like, "Do you ever watch this guy on YouTube?" <laughs> I was like, Go on. <laughs> Um, and he's called uh, Lazy Metal Shaping, um, and basically he's a Swedish guy who's moved over to, moved over to California, and he has a metal yeah. shop, and it's basically like auto uh, repairs, but kind of quite high end. L A double Z E, Lazy, but it's Lazy is Swedish, um, and he just like hand makes car body panels so it'll be for like bespoke or older vehicles nice. so like you know hot rods or anything or Ooh. like really beautiful old cars old ferraris and stuff yeah, yeah, um yeah. but his channel is very much like um showing you the tools showing you the techniques tips oh, and guess, tricks like he's got a whole thing on english wheels yeah yeah absolutely um you know showing the kind of um the reasons why you'll do things as well um yeah. theory behind it so so you know stretching and shrinking why you use the wheel this way uh building jigs things like that um yeah. but he's 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 also like an artist so he's there's kind of two sides to him so he will absolutely repair a car to a professional mm. standard and you know mirror finish blah, blah 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 but then he will also make beautiful sculptures and objects at the same time and he you know oh. like a you know what a bead roller is so you put in yeah. like a, an edge on it yeah, yeah he somehow can do bead roller across one another so it's like quilting Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know like, it's how, yeah. so he's, he's making like quilted fuel tanks for yeah, motorcycles. Fucking, it's like this is fucking incredible. They're fucking ace, aren't they? Um, you see a lot of them on the back of seats and stuff like that. Next. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So it looks like the leather quilt. Um, yeah. But the 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 thing that kind of has brought him to my mind is that he's he makes sculptures of cars, small sculptures, but after the fact. So what I was talking about, kind of the the post prototype. Um, yeah. So he'll make a beautiful um, aluminium sculpture of a, a Testarossa. That's exactly what I'm looking at at the moment, and it's fucking. But you know, it's, it's like a fifth scale, and yeah. it's purely ornamental. You know, yeah. and, and he's not learning anything from it. He's just um, heroing and, and and capturing the the beautiful lines of this this mm. iconic sports car. Um, and I just thought it was a wonderful take on you know the opposite. So he, he knows all the techniques, he knows all the theories, he knows all the jigs and how to build things, and can work it all in his head. But then he yeah. takes it to the nth extreme and does post prototypes. I guess. Yeah, I, I'm loving this post prototypes thing. I mm. I don't know what the, the actual word is. I've never but... thought about it until yeah. this conversation. That's yeah. Sorry, I I am very distracted because I'm watching uh, the Sesterosa, um like show real thing. And yeah, that's fucking cool. So uh, Laz Lazzy metal shaping L A Z Z E. Yeah. Good shout. I have just subscribed to that because it was fucking glorious. And I really want an English wheel. Yeah, I, no. I yeah. mean, I really I really want a lot of like sheet metal shaping tools and the time to be able to use them. But oh, really so the, 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 the guy at this this garage where I took the, the, the sculpture, I, after he told me all this mm. and I got back and I was like, oh, thanks. Thanks for today. Nice to meet you. Yeah, uh, let me know when you you're ready with the sculpture and stuff like that. Oh, by the way, here's here's my attempt at uh, metalwork 
um, uh, panel beating and sent him the uh, former LL video. <laughs> and he's like, oh, great video, blah, blah, blah. You know what you really need? An English wheel. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> I thought you were going to say for a second he was going to give you one. I was like, but, yeah. yeah. He was like, oh, yeah, this bloke was uh, just found this warehouse. It's shutting down, and there was like five of them. So I just grabbed them all. They're all going free. I was like, you work. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it out. Um, yeah, good shout. Uh, Brett, you are next. Okay. So I have to give uh, credit to Mr. Feather Forge for sending me. This wonderful, wonderful profile um, mm. because he thought I might like it. And he was right. <laughs> so I don't know a lot about uh, the person, but they make awesome sculptures and uh, like found material arts. But he says sculptor, or sculptor and model maker. But this is the same kind of stuff that I've spiffed on in the past where it's Yep, Dreamy Ox art. So Dreamy Ox art. Uh, they'll show photos of some of the material that they're using and bits and bobs that they've accumulated and then whatever the final piece is, right? Which always looks like some kind of dystopian ship or uh, like trash compactor or whatever the hell it is. So yeah. obviously tons of time and techniques used to create something on a very small scale that looks like it's been aged and has its own little story. But what I really appreciate about it is the amount of detail that gets put into the mechanisms mm -hmm. and things that they don't have to work because these pieces are just meant to be looked at and appreciated. But I feel like he's, he, they, I feel like they have a lot of, um, a lot of knowledge when it comes to the mechanisms and the moving parts. So if they choose to use a flywheel somewhere, it's connected just so, and then there's rope attached to a pulley and then there's something. So it looks like the thing would work. Yeah. Right. There's this adherence to a bit of reality of, of how the mechanisms or how the wiring works, tubes, exhaust systems, all these things. It's, it's awesome to look at. I, I love it. And Thank you to Andy for sending that stuff over. But yeah, um, anybody that's into small scale model making, reused materials, how to how to make your scraps perform in a very special way. Um, I really appreciate the use of old hard drives and just like <laughs> kit bashing using an old hard drive because those things are available all over the place and they've got all kinds of cool circuits and gadgetry inside that you could totally use if you yeah. want to work small scale on anything. So dreamy ox art on Instagram. Yeah. Very good stuff. That I enjoy a, looking through all of this. A very good shout. Um, yeah. Cause Andy sent it to me as well. And I kind of love it. Cause like it reminds me, I, I really like the, the kind of painting side of it as well. Like the, the force patina and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, Cause it reminds me of the same sort of like Warhammer, uh, like dry brushing and stuff like that. Yeah. But what I love is the fact that like the vast majority of it, like you say, is really well thought out and it's constructed in such a way that it all looks like it works. And for the most part, you can't tell like where this stuff comes from in terms of like what he's reused. Mm -hmm. Um except for the fact that there's a Dyson um like the the top bit of the Dyson where it like yeah, yeah the turbines. Yeah. And I recognize that instantly because there's one sat right there as well in exactly the same color. So it's just like, wait, hang on. Um, 
Hang on. Which is, that's a Dyson. <laughs> yeah, which is quite cool because it gives you a sense of scale as well. Yeah. Um, nice. But yes, no, uh, that's a good shout. Uh, I am going last, and I am going to spiff someone that was actually on uh, the Maker's Waffle podcast recently. Um, I say recently, within the last six months or however long they've been going. Um, that's Geeky Fay Art uh, Ali. Um, uh, basically, they... Um, they put up a, a, a series of stories yesterday, today, um, just talking about the fact that they were struggling, um, and you know they're they're doing this full time, and um, they're not entirely sure if it's working and where things are going to go and what the future holds and all of that. Um, so basically, yeah, they just they just asked for a bit of help and they asked to to share it a little bit. Um, so I'm doing my my part for them. Um, but they do also make uh, some quite cool little miniatures. Again, kind of almost along the, the kind of Warhammer sort of side of things, like the, the little miniatures like that. Um, but they also do a couple of um, uh, cosplays and stuff. And Brett, the the guy that you said from uh, uh, Breath of the Wild that reminds you of Rocky, and that's how you picture mm -hmm. Rocky. Tobacco. I can't That's it, yes. Um, so yeah, they made a like a version of of Taroko as well, um, which I thought you'd appreciate. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, uh, just a, a good, fun profile uh, with some cool stuff in it. Uh, lots of 3D printing, lots of geek stuff, um, a bit of prop making um, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, just a, a fun, cool profile that's, mm. that's worth checking out. Nice. Um, so yeah, that's it. Uh, is there any other business? No? Go watch Spider-Man. Have you seen it? No, it's out tomorrow. Uh, uh, wait. As will this be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go yeah. watch it. <laughs> uh, yes, go watch Spider-Man. Also, uh, I kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier on. If you enjoyed the Matt Fraction um, run of Hawkeye, then the Hawkeye TV series is well worth watching. Yeah, I put in a, a few fan favorite storylines in there, yeah. which I write. <laughs> Yeah. Also, something that got me very excited, but no spoilers. Oh, what, what was that? Oh. We'll, talk, we'll talk after. We'll talk after. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it, it's really fun. And it's everything that I like about the Matt Fraction run um, in a TV series. So, and I mean, Jeremy Rayner is such a good Hawkeye anyway. And, <laughs> and yeah, the, the casting's really good. The storyline's really fun. Um, and it's got pizza dog. What more could you want? <laughs> um, and the fact they've actually called it pizza dog as well. Uh, but yeah, uh, go check that out because it is really good. Um, at least I think it is anyway. Uh, I think that's it. So if you want to find us, you can find us in all of the usual social media places. You can find me at Moonshine Metalworks. You can find Brett at Skull and Spade 13. And you can find Al at Al's Hack Shack. Shack! There we go. Oh, classic. Uh, classic if you want to get us as a group then ftp podcast or fools of tools pretty much everywhere um yeah that's it so until next time uh have, have fun go go make go make a tiny thing or go prototype something or make, prototype. No, the post prototype go do a post prototype of, of, your thing. of this show <laughs> make a good version of this episode I don't think anybody could do that. Uh, right. <laughs> Love you all. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.